Welcome to Season 6 of I'm Trainers Podcast, Episode 4, published on September 26, 2023. We are part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of podcasts. This episode, we'll be talking with Sherman House on what he does in the training industry. Sit back and relax for this week's exciting episode designed to help your training business. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage offer and the competitive pricing. All certified instructors can apply for FTA coverage, whether you're NRA, USCCA, or other state certified instructor. And listeners of this podcast, go along at 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Manus X. I've been a longtime Manus user from their original Manus X to the new Manus X10 that came out with a couple of years ago, and now excited about their most recent product, Manus Blackbeard X. The Manus Blackbeard X combines the Manus 10 and the Manus Blackbeard system into one platform for the AR-15. It unleashes a completely new capability with in-depth dynamic shooting analysis, including motion-based analysis and multi-target engagement, something no one has done before. Manus Blackbeard X connects to your smartphone via Bluetooth, and can easily download the Manus X application for Android and iOS. The Manus X application gives you history on all your previous sessions, as well as new drills for the modern sporting rifle. Manus X changed the way I train, and I think you'll find the Manus Blackbeard X is a great training aid for yourself and your students. Check out Manus X for more information on their Manus products, including the new Manus Blackbeard systems. That is ManusX.com. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Dr. Sherman House. Welcome to the podcast, Sherman. Thank you for taking time to uh, be on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Rob. Appreciate it. Well, for those who don't know who Dr. Sherman House is, can you go go along and give us uh, our listeners a little bit of your background on what you do? Sure. Um, for a living, I'm a hospital dentist, which is a, a kind of a rarefied division of general dentistry that deals with the um, both inpatient and outpatient and surgical care of medically complex individuals who are unable to obtain um, conventional dental care in an outpatient setting. So um people who are dialysis patients people who are unstable diabetics people who have um, various heart conditions people who have intellectually um impairment uh intellectual impairment cognitive impairment um all kinds of things clotting disorders um those are all the things that uh, we end up you know seeing um and then um I have been doing that now for 15 years, uh, just about. And um, prior to that, I actually was a, a full-time first responder um, in fire and EMS. Um, I've also been a reserve police officer for the last six years. Um, and then um, I actually have degrees in law enforcement, um, cellular biology philosophy and then um dental surgery and a forensic odontology residency training in addition to hospital dentistry residency training so um i've been in the training industry now 
or, well, involved in training as a student for 30 years. I started instructing um, as a firearms instructor in 2006 for tactical response in Camden, Tennessee, under the tutelage of James Yeager. And um, I'm also a DTI international instructor with um, John Farnham and also range master instructor and then of course tactical response uh, instructor uh, graduate as well very nice you do quite a bit you're uh, definitely a student not only of uh, a lot of different disciplines but of uh, a lot of firearm disciplines too for um and mm -hmm. one of the things that uh, i think make you very interesting is a your day job is you know very interesting being a hospital dentist because uh you're the only one I've ever known. Every time I've gone to the hospital for uh, something teeth-wise, they always turn me, give me a minimum, and then send me to my dentist. So that's uh, makes it very interesting. There, there's probably one other one that you know of, um, Doctor Gary K. Roberts, Doc Doc GKR on the forums. Um, he's actually a hospital dentist too. He's in Southern California um, and is a professor. Um, I can't remember where he works, but anyway, um, he, uh, he's also a hospital dentist. He's been doing it much longer than I have. He started doing it in the, um, U S Navy, I believe. Hmm. Nice. He's the, like what kind of got him on the internet was, or, you know, what made him uh, famous is that he kind of took over a lot of the work for the, um, I, I guess it's through the Department of Defense, but it's whatever division deals with wound um, or ballistic wound research. So he's kind of like the chief ballistician for um, whatever division of Department of Defense that's in. Maybe it's the, through Special Operations Community or something like that. Well, very interesting. And uh, yeah, it's uh, that's, that's a very unique job. And that's... Uh, Got a guy on the radar radar with me because I was listening to you on the Lee Wilms show and uh Lee's always got some interesting people on and uh you're no no different there, but I thought it'd be really good to talk a little bit about what you've done in the instructing community because uh you're not just uh you know one dimensional too, because you also have written quite a bit about revolvers um that are out there and uh mm -hmm. and recently with the renaissance of revolvers um some of those uh articles you've written you've been able to republish again which uh is is i think a really neat thing to that you can re been around long enough that you can actually republish things yeah yeah a lot of those i wrote 10 years ago and when i wrote them 10 years ago i think that there was literally like you know six or eight of my friends that read them and um and then, you know, things kind of just get spread around the internet through Facebook or whatever, or mentioned on other podcasts. And then, you know, I'll see a spike in the stats, you know, relative to something. But I mean, I don't write just about revolvers. I, I write about, you know, everything. Um, kind of my, you know, the, the most excitement I get as a writer is, is writing things that are philosophical or that are, you know, actual software related issues, you know, like guns and stuff are cool. Of course, everybody likes guns, you know, we all enjoy them, but you know, a lot of times, I mean, um, you know, you're old enough to remember Rob, like when there was 
you know, uh, Harris Publications mm-hmm. had like combat handguns and guns and weapons for law enforcement. And every month there was, you know, the greatest gun this month. And you're like, oh, you know, now I got to get this. Oh, now I got to get this. And after a while, you realize that they all kind of, you know, if they're not complete um, pieces of garbage, then they they all do just about the same thing. If they're reliable and um, you can get a good grip on them and they've got, you know, decent sights and a, and a decent trigger, but, you know, most importantly, um, are utterly reliable, they all do basically about the same thing. Um, so it's, it's really hard for me to get too excited about new guns these days. Occasionally something will come up, you know, that's new that I think is novel, um, that, that, you know, is worthy of discussion. Like I wrote a thing about the, um, the Taurus 856, um, Toro, I believe it's called. That is the small frame six shot. Well, I guess it's sort of a medium frame. It's a six shot, um, 38 that can accept a red dot, uh, pistol mounted optic. And, um, so I wrote about that recently. Um, since I'm living in a state now that just recently passed a bunch of, uh, really asinine regulations related to semi-automatic, um, long gun, um, prohibition. Um, I've, I've kind of, undertaken a, a both a thought and a literal experiment in setting up a uh, lever action rifle for self-defense since um, lever actions pump actions and bolt actions are uh, fall completely outside of that prohibition so you know you can have a a ruger scout rifle in 308 uh you know with a 10 round magazine and it's no issue with that you could have a you know, a lever action 357 or lever action 4570, you know, or a pump action Remington model 7600 or something to that effect. And, and, um, the regulations here don't care about it. I'm sure that most of that stuff is eventually going to, you know, get zapped in court. Mm -hmm. But, um, for the time being, it's, we just have to kind of put up with the hilarity. If you actually go to a gun shop here, it's kind of comical to me. They have mini 14s and mini 30s on the racks. You can buy them. Um, they don't have a muzzle device. It's just a, you know, a front sight that's mounted to the barrel um, on a band like mini 14s or, you know, ranch rifles have been forever. Um, but they actually take the handguard off of the top of the stock. So they just remove it because the law, the law here states that that. It's a, a barrel shroud, and that's a prohibited feature. So, um, and it makes it you know, safer not having do, barrel shroud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It only makes it, yeah, you know, more hazardous to the person that's actually using the gun that's going to, you know, burn their hand on it. So, it's just another one of those idiocy, stupid. Um, laws that were made by people who have no concept about what goes on in reality, while still ironically being guarded by people with those same types of guns that they've prohibited. So yeah. it's you know, I mean, we've all know that story, so it's yeah. a bunch of crap. But I've always gone along and said that if uh, if it, if the gun laws that were passed were 
you know, that everybody's got to abide by it. And I'm talking police as well as politicians. I think they would look at the laws a little mm-hmm. differently. You know, um, you know, it's oh yeah, guns are for you, not for not for me, is the way they pass them because they need the protection. Yeah. And you know, I always ask, it's like, okay, trust me, I'm not trying to protect you. I'm trying to protect what's valuable to me, and that's me and my family for it. And uh, you know, it's yeah, criminals on the other hand, we know by definition, criminals are gonna break the law. So it doesn't matter, you know, what the regulations are, guess what? I'll bet you they'll be finding criminals still doing what they do do and probably some of them with illegal firearms and all they'll do is say yes it's illegal and still arrest them <laughs> yeah well i mean th- you know it's it's in in a story that's a surprise to no one who has you know their head out of their butt there's a lot of places out west here where i live that have zero cell phone coverage and i'm not talking like you know you can stand up on top of your truck and hold your phone up high and maybe catch, you know, one or two bars. I mean, there's no cell phone coverage. Um, and, you know, for those people that live in those areas and they are areas of plenty and it's even with the carriers that are supposed to be, you know, the largest nationwide coverage, there's huge voids, uh, where you can be outside of cell phone reach for 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, of a drive, you know, at 50 miles an hour. So, you know, in those areas, cell phones are ubiquitous, you know, like no one has landlines anymore, hardly. So mm-hmm. if you're in one of those areas and you are, you know, the subject of a home invasion um, or, you know, some type of, of forced violence where um, you're taken by ambush, um, even if you, you know, if, if, you, if you're not ready to respond personally, you're going to suffer whatever consequences that person has in mind for you because no one is going to come help you anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that it's it's something that unfortunately, well, fortunately, it doesn't happen as frequently as it could, but it's happening more and more. So now I feel like for a lot of areas, even places that are thought of as peaceful and remote and and serene and everything it's not a matter of if it's going to happen there it's just a matter of when Mm -hmm. yeah and you were talking about remote places and yeah i'm living in ohio there are places in ohio that it's really hard to go along and get uh cell phone coverage all the time and also too in some of the different counties if you're away from the major cities the sheriffs have gone along and said that you might be waiting 20 minutes for an officer to respond to the middle of the night you know which would be prime time for a um you know somebody breaking in your house and that's where you go along yeah. take that into consideration you know you we train for you know cpr we train mouth to mouth we train how to go along put you know stop the bleed those those types of things well it's no different than if somebody breaks in your house you need to know how to go along and stop that situation until the good guys get there. You know, your backup, um, you know, you're, Correct. you're controlling yeah. bleeding until the ambulance gets there. You're not, you don't sit there. Okay. They're not here in five minutes. I'm just going to let go. You're going to go along do is do what you can until you're physically exhausted. And that's the same type of thing. If somebody's breaking in your house, you want to have the best tools possible in order to, uh, you know, safeguard yourself and, and your family. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, twenty minutes of a response time is is uh, unfortunately is becoming closer to the norm, and is probably uh, pretty good 
compared to some places. I mean, there's some places out here where, you know, it could be an hour to 90 minutes mm-hmm. um, to get a- anybody there yep. for any emergency. Yeah. Well, uh, before, the, before <laughs> so, the show, I was uh, talking about, you know, I go hunting in some of the places we go hunting, mm-hmm. we go walking down uh, trails for an hour before we get to where we are. If something happens back that far, yeah. um, it's going to take the volunteer fire department a long time to, or the police department to get to the trailhead. And then they're going to have a, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe they've got some uh, quads so they can get back a little faster. But at the same time, if you're on trails, you can't go zooming back there at, you know, even 20 miles an hour, you're, you're creeping back there. And if it's dark or, or something along those lines, it's a whole kind of different situation because when I'm out in those kind of remote places, I'm worried about the two, two legged predators, which, um, you don't run across too, too often simply because it's, uh, it's, you've got to know how to survive when you're out in the wilderness like that. And, um, you know, two legged criminals Mm -hmm. just don't, but there's a lot of four legged, um, uh, animals yeah. that basically we lo- look like food to them, or they might try to attack us and things like that from, you know, coyotes, bears, uh, wild hogs, uh, those types of things that we've got here in Ohio and, uh, you know, out, out where you are, yeah. um, you know, you've got bigger bears, you've got, you know, other animals too, that you've got to be, you know, aware of. And, uh, it's, you know, it's it's really bad when you go along and make assumptions that oh yeah this will work for everybody because most of the time it works for nobody mm-hmm. when they, when they pass those kind of laws. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have bears out here. We have uh, you know we have cougars, uh, not the Eric Gelhaus kind, but like yeah. uh, you know the, the the ones that attack people kind. Yeah, the four legged um, kind. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, people. Um, I don't know if it's happened in a while, but I mean, you know, people get run over by elk out here sometimes. I mean, you know, elk is a ginormous animal um, and it can trample the heck out of you if it wants to. So, um, and then we have a lot of people that get uh, bit by feral dogs out here. You know, I mean, this is the wilderness, like feral dogs are a real thing. You know, people dump a puppy off or, you know, a bunch of puppies when they're, when they're eight weeks old and throw them out in a box on the side of the road, you know, some of those dogs are going to figure it out and mm-hmm. become essentially wild dogs. So they're no different than coyotes or wolves. Yep. They go back to their primitive instincts and, uh, that is do whatever mm-hmm. they have to, to survive. So those are, uh, yeah. really good, good points. Really good points. What kind of, uh, training, do you look for these days, uh, Sherm, when it, when it comes to something to either add or refresh your r- repertoire on? Um, I'm kind of the point where I've trained in, in just about everything with the exception of like precision rifle stuff, because that's not really in my wheelhouse, you know, like sniping, you know, precision type courses. Um, when I was in the police department, I had an opportunity to go to a couple of those, but it just didn't really pique my interest. So I, I never pursued any of that, but I really like to go to, um, pistol classes, you know, that have like some type of, um, testing component to them, you know, where there's like some type of objective evaluation involved just because it's, um, you know, fun to, um, kind of put yourself up against that kind of pressure and see how you do. Um, and then I also, um, 
you know, like I'm, I'm hoping to take a, uh, AK employment class with Steve Fisher, um, in September here at the firearms Academy of Seattle and, uh, Marty Hayes's place. And, um, and I, um, I've trained with an AK before, but, uh, I have never gotten Steve's take on it before. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see that. And, and mostly, you know, I'm sort of at the point now where I, I, I do still enjoy teaching, of course, but I really enjoy being a student more and I enjoy um, kind of like thinking philosophically about, you know, the larger ideas and why we do things. Um, and, and as far as employment, you know, I left it out of my bio. I mean, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well. I'm a blue belt with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, under an AOJ affiliate school. Well, the only AOJ affiliate school from Nashville, Tennessee. but. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, like I said, I have a degree in philosophy, so I, I always joke around and when, when we were, you know, in school, we said that, you know, the, the running joke was, is that if you were a philosophy major, you would sit around after graduation and think about how you don't have any money. Um, I'm not in that situation now, but I, I do have a lot of time to sit around and think. And so I mm-hmm. do probably more than I should. Um, but, uh, it's, um, I, I, you know, I think that applying thoughtful discourse and, and asking questions about the things that we do in the firearms training industry is important because these trends catch on mostly due to like viral marketing and, and, um, the for good or ill influence of people on the internet and that kind of shapes the direction of the industry because those are the people that have the most exposure but the real one percent of people that are doing the majority of the heavy lifting when it comes to you know firearms instruction and innovation um a lot of that stuff is not sexy it's not photogenic it's not cool it's really hard work and it's not um servicing to your ego to do it uh because you know you're gonna get you're you're gonna lose um or you're going to um you know suffer some type of you know mostly ego hit um dealing or you know training in that fashion so and a lot of people don't want to do that they want to you know train to service their ego and and not necessarily um test their skills um under realistic uh live conditions and and really see what that looks like yeah we call it an entertainment so we had uh ken hackathorn yeah. talking about that actually because uh sometimes uh and there's a place for it you know people want to go along and do all the really cool john wick stuff and just play around doing that and then there's also when yeah. you get into other trainers, they've you you want to give the students what they need so that if they are mm-hmm. ever needing to use it, that they're not trying to do John Wick things and thinking that's going to get them out of the trouble, that they actually have um, yeah. you know, good solid founda- uh, foundation to know how to properly um, you know, engage and stop the threat and hopefully save save their butt and get out get out of the situation alive which um you know john yeah. wick is really cool to watch on, on the screen um i like it but at the same time 
do you really think that he could avoid getting shot that many times and do all that kind of stuff and then just walk away casually as if, uh, you know, it was a Sunday afternoon? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, I, I mean, it's a movie. I'm not even comment yeah. on it, but I was going <laughs> to just say there's, there's, there's so much of the stuff that um, gets the most airtime that there's, far more simple and robust skill sets that could be learned and practiced and put on the path to mastery that um, finesse those types of encounters in, in a much more efficient and repeatable way than doing something that is kind of a, uh, a low probability move. Mm -hmm. um, or move set for, uh, for a lot of those things. And a lot of the stuff that gets really popular and is flashy and cool and, and, um, gets shown around social media is exactly that. It's just flash. It's not anything, you know, nobody real is doing that kind of stuff. I'm sure that, you know, Ken Hackathorn sees that kind of stuff and just goes, ha yeah, cute kid. <laughs> like, uh, you're hilarious. Um, go back to, you know, playing video games and, you know, let the professionals do the professional stuff. Yep. So exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, you went along and mentioned that you were range master, uh, certified and such what disciplines or I should say, what courses have you taken with uh range master? Uh, pistol and shotgun. Okay. Have you done the advanced or master yep. instructor? Yep. Nope. Not yet. Okay. Nope. No. They... When I first did the um, when I first did the Range Master pistol course, I don't think there was the advanced or the master. I don't think that that existed. Um, because that was probably seven seven or eight years ago. I think it I think that 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 extracurriculum hadn't yet been developed or if it had it was not taught frequently mm -hmm. um yeah i know there's a master and, course coming up this summer which is the first one in two years and might be the last one depending upon you know time yeah yeah i i know that there's also that protective pistol craft instructor i think that takes place in october in whitehall arkansas which i, I might try and fly out there for that one we'll see Mm -hmm. I would like to do that. That's a five day one. So I would like to do that and just get the whole full thing. Yeah. If only I could uh, talk work into going along and paying for my, uh, for me to fly out there and, and do everything. So it's completely unrelated yeah. to work, but um, I'd be willing to try to pitch it to them if they pay, if they pay for it, probably not. <laughs> just tell them it's professional development. Yeah. I probably have to just keep it to that. And yeah. Yeah, like probably could look at the syllabus and come up with some very good leadership skills from uh, doing that, and uh, yeah. you know, organization skills, things like that. So, professional development. You gave me an idea there. Sure, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I, I can honestly say is that you know, having been a, a collegiate professor, um, there is no difference in teaching the theory behind surgery. Um and teaching surgery versus the theory behind, um, you know, self-defense skills and 
the uh, practice of self-defense skills. There's no difference. You know, teaching people physical skills that have a factual, you know, a philosophical, a realistic and historical basis behind them, like it's a universal, you know, it, it plays the exact same way. And you get the exact same kinds of students in your classes in both disciplines, oddly. And you mm -hmm. get the exact same kind of people. So, you know, where you have uh, that guy, you know, that we always joke about that shows up in shooting classes, that guy also shows up, you know, in your surgery classes. And that guy is someone you have to keep your eye on because they're kind of a danger to everybody around them. Uh, <laughs> and, it, and it just hasn't occurred to them yet that that's the case. Yeah. The, uh, uh, unconscious or the, um, uh, incompetent, uh, unconscious competent. incompetence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't know what they don't know yet. And they, but they think they do know everything. No. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, you were talking about, you also teach some classes, uh, over at, uh, technical response, uh, James Yeager's, uh, school there down mm -hmm. in, uh, Tennessee. Can you tell us a little bit of those classes that you're teaching? Sure. Um, I mean, I've taught just about, um, you know, primarily fighting rifle, fighting pistol, um, fighting shotgun. I wrote the original immediate action medical curriculum. Um, I've taught um, some of the contractor medical classes before. And um, um uh, a couple related to uh vehicle tactics and things like that so um in fact james jaeger steve moses andy stanford and i did a uh, a rifle summit thing uh, probably around 2007 ish um in camden that was uh pretty interesting that was the first time i actually met steve moses so um and that was not the first time i'd met andy stanford but that was one of the first times that i got to see um, Andy Stanford in full Andy Stanford mode, um, which was also, uh, an experience mm -hmm. one that people should partake if they have the ability to, Good. he's, a, he's, um, he's a, uh, a real character, literally like he's, you know, if, if I was a fiction writer, I don't think I could come up with a character like Andy Stanford. <laughs> I will have to check him out. That's that sounds like an interesting person. Yeah, he is. Yep. And he plays the accordion. Ooh. The only other person I know that plays the accordion is my mom. So and she's, Yeah, my uh, mom does too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why why she got taught it, but yeah, she had an accordion when we were younger and uh it's it's been retired since then, but she was the only other person I know that could. We as kids we just made noise with it. We didn't we couldn't play anything that's the easiest way of stating yeah 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 i got gotcha. you yeah so sure question for you what's your everyday carry what, what kind of uh pistol do you like carrying um i carry either a sig p365 in nine millimeter um or i carry a, a smith and wesson m&p um either the 2.0 metal or the 2.0 compact. Mm -hmm. And then I also, you know, fiddle if I'm walking around in my shorts, you know, and I'm 
just on my uh, property here mowing or something like that. A lot of the times I just have like a, a J frame or a LCR um, in my waistband or in my pocket. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, uh, well prepared in case uh, a four legged or two legged animal comes along. Um, yeah. 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 I, you, you never know what's going to run out of the woods here. Like the cul-de-sac at the end of my street is probably about 110 feet from um, my front door. And there's a, uh, a state forest land that starts there that goes back for um, a couple miles. So mm -hmm. there's stuff in there. Yep. And at the same time, um, you know, there are people that will camp out in there and, uh, you know, come out oh, yeah. late at night to, you know, take things that they See need. what you got. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, Hey Sherman got, got a quick question for you, which is, uh, that we've got for sure. our season six. What do you want to be remembered for after you pass away? Um, well, I hope that, that, um, I've created enough of a written presence on the internet, you know, like, uh, I, I always say like, I don't really write blog posts because I write essays that, you know, if I would send them into, um, you know, for a publication and they would chop them into five pieces because they're, you know, usually somewhere between like 5,000 and 15,000 words. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, and I don't, you know, spam people's inboxes with them. Sometimes I'll go, you know, nine months without a peep because I don't want to just blather on senselessly and, and bore people with, uh, my own voice. So I try and keep just on the hunt for, for, uh, knowledge in my own edification before i'll go trying to spew something else to somebody unless i really think that i have something novel or thoughtful to say um so i hope that um in the tactical industry that i uh am and and also in the medical industry you know remembered as someone who um you know was a a, a philosophical thinker and that um attack problems in in a reductionist radical reductionist and unique way that uh was a little bit different from the rest of the crowd okay very very thought-provoking there and uh that's why we got the question to get people thinking about that so thank you for mm -hmm. that feedback for that uh thought and uh last question for you where can people find out about the classes that you're teaching sure um my website is civiliandefender.com um i also post stuff at facebook where i'm on there as uh sherman house s-h-e-r-m-a-n-h-o-u-s-e and then um i'm on instagram as civilian defender actual so okay. um and I, I i usually cross post um stuff or ref, you know make referential posts so they all kind of connect together good and i will include those in the 
show notes for anybody who's trying to jot them down or who uh, has problems finding them. They will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Dr. Sherman House, I appreciate your time tonight. Very uh, interesting background you have. Uh, you do a lot for the training community, and I'm hoping uh, our paths will cross sometime at training or some conference that we can actually uh, meet in person, and hopefully some more listeners will uh, also cross paths with you too because you're a very interesting person thank you thanks for having me on rob i appreciate it have a good night you too that's a wrap for this episode i hope you found the information informative and don't forget to share it with a friend help us help more instructors by giving us a review five-star review of that this helps others find us remember we've got a website so if you want to search all our back episodes you can do that easily by just going to farmtrainerpodcast.com and going to the search bar in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. If you have questions or suggestions, you can reach me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And don't forget the other Concealed Carry podcasts out there in the network, the original Concealed Carry podcast with Riley Bowman and the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast with Brian Eastridge. Visit our sponsors, Special Environment Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. You establish your business, you get certified, you're now up and running, Don't forget to get insured to go along and get FTA coverage. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast, support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe out there, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.